Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Hello, and you're tuned in now to Queering the Air on 3CR Community Radio. I'm Iris, and thanks to Encyclopedalias for the previous hour of broadcasting. Um, today we're going to be playing for you an interview with performance artist Weird Alice later in the show. Um, and I'm going to talk about some upcoming events later and talk about some news and International Women's Day. But first, I'm going to give an acknowledgement of country. We're broadcasting on the lands of the Kulin Nations, the Wurundjeri and Bunurong peoples. I'd like to acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded, that genocide and colonisation are ongoing processes. And I'd like to acknowledge um, all Indigenous elders, past, present and future, and acknowledge any Indigenous listeners tuning in to the show. Um, Yeah, I'm Iris and... It's been a big week with International Women's Day. Yeah, it's just a difficult time because because so much of, um, of womanhood for trans women is challenged, and it's and it's really different for trans women of color in terms of that gender gender white is is in, a, is in a white supremacist context, and that's like what the gender binary is bound up in. And I was in attendance at the International Women's Day rally and thought I'd play some chants from that for you. Yes, so there was a bunch of those chants at the rally on on Friday, and that was good to see. Um, but I suppose every year we find that I think sex worker and trans exclusionary radical feminists are just tolerated way too much on the left in progressive places. The amount of time I've wasted having to deal with trans exclusionary rad fems is, I don't know, like I could be doing so much more work towards like liberation if there wasn't so much tolerance and there was more work towards realizing that these people who advocate for the exclusion of trans women to neither existence who advocate for the criminalization of sex work whether it be the nordic model or other models of criminalization and deny the humanity of sex workers and pretty much argue for things that make sex worker labor rights um undermine sex worker labor rights that these people aren't really a, p- a part of how we can move forward towards a future ending oppression and domination. Um, it's a really messed up, um, often, yeah, grounded in sort of this gender policing white colonial mindset. And it's really disappointing every time, um, every International Women's Day, where I think there could be so much more done around. Um, making clear statements that they shouldn't be around and they shouldn't be around and tolerated for an entire march. So there was that happening at International Women's Day march at Melbourne at the State Library that marched to Parliament. And that was, yeah, I suppose that that happened. But the good thing was there was lots of more support. I've never experienced so much of um, the supportive sex worker and trans, um, supportive trans signs and chats. So that was one good component of International Women's Day. Um, Yeah, and so I guess moving on a bit from International Women's Day and not being drowning, over-focusing on that stuff, um, Robbie Thorpe and and Viv Marlowe, who are both um, at the station doing different shows um amazing indigenous broadcasters who have listened i've learnt a lot from it i've been i've had a fundraiser on facebook and i'll like link that in the show notes and definitely support that fundraiser um so if you can get 
to a country in um, the northwest W WA, I think. Um, yeah, and that's one fundraiser that I thought I'd give a shout out to, and also want to shout out to um, Shargaze, who's doing a fundraiser as well for their um, cards, and I've had Shargaze on the show. They're amazing, um, and they're also featured at a an exhibition in Wyndham, the Black an exhibition um, at Wyndham Art, Arts. I think if you just Google Black Femmes with this, with the C in brackets, you'll be able to find that. Um, another, another news item is the Debbing Creek Mission, um, not too far from Brisbane, um, where a developer has purchased a bunch of... Um, land that's on a mission and a site that was an Aboriginal mission and is trying to develop it. There's been resistance this whole year, a lot of um, grassroots Aboriginal resistance and supporters and we saw the Queensland police trying to evict that evict them and but we saw enough support and solidarity and um, that struggle is still continuing. Yeah, so definitely keep your eye on that and you can make donations to Warriors of the Aboriginal Resistance have members up there who are um, a part of that struggle. So, if you've just joined in, you're tuned into Queering the Air. I'm Iris, and stay tuned for more. I'm Iris, and you're tuned into Queering the Air on 3CR Community Radio, 855am on your AM dial, streaming live at 3cr.org.au on demand, on digital radio, and podcasted. Actually, following on from some, um, for International Women's Day again, um, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of impressed by how the women's strike organizers in the UK have, like, pushed debate, and they're, put, they're like, putting out things like, Feminism means there's no cages in feminism, so really anti-border, anti-prison sort of stuff, and they um, calling for a strike on, which yeah is a strategic sort of impossible thing because the world basically needs women's unpaid labour, particularly women with with multiple marginalizations to function so they're pu- pushing for this massive demand to like like a revolutionary sort of demand and i'm impressed by them because they're also non-negotiable on um on transphobia in terms of and whorephobia in terms of trans people and sex workers so that i think they're showing like a good way to do grassroots radical organizing so check out women's strike for some of that um yes so next have it an interview i recorded with um their stage name is weird alice and i recorded it on international women's day stay tuned to querying the air i'm iris and i'm joined in the studio with weird alice um who has been described as the utterly revolting two-spirit mess queen. How are you? I'm doing all right. How are you going? Yeah, I'm good. Um, really happy to have you here with me. Um, you're an amazing drag artist. And yeah, I thought I'd start off asking you about how you got into drag. Oh, goodness. Well, I've been doing drag throughout a myriad of different variations um, over the span of the last 10 years, which I don't feel old until I say that I've been doing performance art for 10 years, but um, started off kind of doing a bit of um, side, like circus sideshow and traveling a lot with that and then learning burlesque techniques but never really doing burlesque and then playing around with gender and performance and then... A few years ago, probably five or six now, adding in wrestling into it and then kind of coming back full circle to drag again. And it's just kind of every time I learn a new skill, it just gets kind of lumped into a bizarre gender performance because gender is 
I wouldn't say it's a joke, but it's something that's easy to like make fun of in my own personal experience of it. Mm. And so I find with a lot of any art that I do, I will take something that's a serious topic or something that affects me deeply and just present it in this kind of awkward and uncomfortable, like, but funny lens to make it a little bit more palatable. And whatever anybody takes of it is kind of up to them because I can't really speak to how other people experience art they see because what I'm giving is not necessarily everyone's going to read it the same way, but I've been doing it for... For ten years, and I've been do, and I took a very, very long hiatus just before um, moving to Australia from Canada, and came here and just started doing it all the time here, mm. and it's almost better received in Australia than it was before. So it's it's been a long and interesting, bizarre play of it. Yeah. Um. So more and what drag means to you so it's sort of taking a piss out of gender a bit mm-hmm. mm. yeah and it's just it's another type of just performance I mean I love a lot of people have been using this term lately and it's been driving me nuts because and it's gonna be funny to say this and then not describe fully what it means but the term of camp and what it means and I see it as a very political art form it's not like something's cheesy haha it's normally taking something really important and then portraying it through this mundane lens and then heightening it. So it's like taking something ridiculous and blowing it up or taking something like really simple and then just like blowing it out of proportion and having a lot of fun with it. And I'm very inspired by John Waters and kind of his whole take of people think that queer people or at least did some still do unfortunately but like disgusting monsters so his was like fine instead of being like let's prove to you we're not he's like fine Mm. i'll give you a disgusting monster and this like heightened over the top it's like this is what you think you want so here have it to this extreme that it's no longer realistic anymore and so i use a lot of camp aesthetic in a lot of my performance and just kind of not everything I do has any deeper meaning, and sometimes it is just for the fun of art because not I like to enjoy life yeah. in contrast to all the shitty things that we have to deal with. And so it's like we deal with a lot of garbage and trauma and oppression and marginalization. So sometimes it's like I want to watch trashy TV and I want to listen to this music and just have fun with it and actually maybe use the space that we go out to like enjoy entertainment to have it be a little bit of a break from it and if it isn't subject matter wise a break from it at least for me personally how i feel comfortable delivering it on stage i will deliver it in a way that is not going to like obviously dampen the mood in the moment and maybe ruin someone's night like hopefully not if i'm ruining someone's night Normally, it's maybe you have to think about why what I did made you uncomfortable because it's normally. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, unless it's someone that really you've offended because um, you've offended their sense of entitlement on some range of. Which is a really important thing, I think, in a lot of um, feminist driven art and art made by queer people and people of color and so on is just kind of. Um, an old school clowning thing is buffoon, like buffoonery, and the whole point was to make people question their sense of selves and their place in society and what they're complicit in by presenting themselves without them realizing that they're the butt of the joke. So you would show somebody somebody being really atrocious in this very hyper cartooned out way and so we'd be like oh my god that's ridiculous and laugh about it and then think and be like wait that's me and pull back. And hopefully I find any discomfort I've ever gotten from anything I've done is normally stuff like that. Like I with um, I mentioned I did wrestling. One of the things is I made my character on purpose, the monster, as like the fat person, which is like the obvious go-to, but I did it at an event where the crowd was all feminist and all mm. like young and queer and very self-aware. And my goal was to get them to boo me 
and then think about why mm. they booed me. And it, was, and it was a much more difficult task with people who were actually going to feel bad about that interaction than awful dudes mm. yelling offensive things because they can. It was a bunch of people being like, boo, wait. It's like, why do we hate you again? And it's because I presented it through this like really unlikable lens, but I wasn't doing anything awful. I just made sure to like kind of storytell in a way that it's like to get you to think from the other perspective. And it was, it was a really interesting experiment to be on stage and make people boo you as opposed to mm. like that fear that you might not do a good job. It's like, I want to make these people who are down for anything in here to have a good time yell something mean at me. And it was, took a lot of energy, but it was surprisingly satisfying to be able to mold someone's reaction. Mm. But yeah, I find that that's really the only kind of discomfort I want to get out of anybody in a performance is that like two contrasting ones that I do. I do two performances that are ostensibly about the same thing. They're both about ejaculation. One is a bukkake number where I sing Celine Dion's It's All Coming Back to Me Now and then people clad in leather come all over me. And everybody laughs and it's the funniest thing and it's shocking. And then I do an ejaculation number. Um, I've done it to many different songs. The most recent one I did was to The Divinals I Touch Myself and it's a squirting number and even, I even tell people the number, and they say it's disgusting. They're like, oh, that's gross. That's fine. Like, and it's the exact same number, and it's the same people. And I'm like, well, you can go and think about why you're bothered mm. by the exact same subject matter. Because if you're just offended by both of them, I'm like, okay, it might be too sexually gratuitous for you, and that's fine. But it's normally a perceived body thing. Yeah. And which has a lot of like so many layers of like issues depending on who's reacting and why they're reacting about it and so many more people affects than like just me has like an AFAB person and it's just like a really interesting take to see because that wasn't my goal with those numbers my goal with those numbers mm -hmm. is I thought it would be really funny to do a Bukkake number to a Celine Dion song because it's such a stupid and lazy pun and then was like, well, if I do one, why don't I also do a squirting number? Because that would be funny. And they weren't meant with this in, like, at least consciously to me, they weren't, that wasn't my intention. And as doing them, even just describing it, I could, like, see. So I tend to, like, do a lot of events where they get booked together. And people have asked me to, like, talk about it afterwards. Because it even the reactions that I get from crowds, and everybody, like, laughs. But there's like a much more uncomfortable laugh to the second one, and it's and I always do them in that order too, because it's just I want them to see that like disparity of their own reactions, because they're the only shock I get from the first one is they're like, oh, you're fully nude, and this is a joke about cum, and this is the most time I've ever had to say cum out loud in a recording <laughs> thing, and it's it's a lot, but yeah, that's kind of where a lot of kind of my goals I guess with my art go from it's never really something I sit down and think about like what I'm trying to achieve more so that I hear a song or I see something and I just have an idea and it's like a lot of it is I'll see someone do something and then I'll be like oh I wish they did it but this way and then that and then it'll stem into its own thing I'm like I want to see that I'm like okay well why don't I just do that and I've stopped telling people what I want to see and instead actually keeping most of the ideas for myself and doing it. Because for years, I'd just be like, you should do this. And then I'd do a number that I had helped them craft. And I mean, I love collaboration, but it was like, or I could just do the thing that I want to see. Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, thanks for sharing all that. And yeah, you really highlighted um, how art can challenge people and have these like really um, provide these important spaces for reflection and for challenging pre-existing oppressive stuff. Um, so one thing you mentioned was about um, TV. Does TV, drag TV, wrestling TV influence what you do? Yes and no. So I find drag TV is a bit of a tricky one because there are some amazing... I would say most of the artists that we see on TV for drag are phenomenal. I mean, there's a reason that 
they're picked out of everyone who applies. And I mean, there is a bit of a criteria that they have to fit, which I think is extremely unfortunate because um, it does exclude a lot of other artists, but it doesn't yeah. mean that who we're seeing isn't some of the best of the best. And unfortunately, it puts them in this like lens where it's almost a sideshow. That's now that it's gone so successful, it's that like two sides of the same coin. I love that like queer culture is a little bit more understood, even if it's just like the thin top layer of it by people who aren't in our own community, but it's at the same time like pitting these people against each other, not on the show, but in how people react and how it affects their daily lives and how it affects their work and what's taken out of context and what you're allowed to see and how certain artists are put into certain boxes that it doesn't suit their style. And then it's just like, well, they're not good enough. And I think that that's wild because like there's the whole point is to prove that you're the best of the best and not everyone's going to tick every box. It doesn't mean that they're not one of the best in the world. Um, but it's very weird because I get a lot of clap back from people who are, it's a lot of straight cisgendered white women who tell me what I do isn't drag. It's like, oh, I'm sorry. Are you a, are you a drag queen? Are you queer? Does this affect you? No. And like, why? Oh, well, I'm not what you see on TV. Mm. And then we had kind of the flip side, a lovely interaction, but even whispering amongst ourselves, we went down to Mardi Gras on the weekend and we were at the Imperial and we were upstairs in kind of their cocktail lounge area before the whole party started and there was two young girls around like eight or nine with their dads and they were really shy but like eager and they came over and they wanted to take a picture with us because we were all in drag and he said like oh Drag Race is her favorite show she won't stop watching it and they both love it, and they were dressed up, and they were almost in drag. Like, one of, the, one of them had this, like, big blue wig and all this glitter on and a sparkly dress. But, like, we're still kind of shy and apprehensive, and we're, like, really fascinated by us. And I'm like, well, you've seen drag queens before. What is it when they walked away? And it's like one of the other two with me said, I don't think they've seen drag queens with beards before. I don't think they've seen like a bear that's a drag queen. And mm. I don't think they've seen someone who's red as a woman as a drag queen before. So they're like here for it. But like a little being like, this is not the drag I see on my television. And they yeah. were okay with it, but like still like trying to process. And I couldn't figure out what it was about us that was like so bizarre. Cause you could see this look of like much confusion. And I'm like, this isn't your first time seeing a drag queen. And it was the first time, I think it was mainly the beards on the other two with me. And it was like, we had like three, like slightly chubbier, two with beards, like drag queens and like weird makeup and stuff. But that was like the kicker. Um, so it's interesting to see how that affects people. But um, I like seeing what people come up with. Sometimes someone's done something new on one of these shows I haven't seen. And then wrestling it's kind of the same thing where there's so much good and so much amazing and that there's that disconnect where it's still um giving this really one skewed take of it um and it's very different than what i grew up with and what i grew up with was you know arguably much more offensive but there was more art put into the stories and the characters and then all they've done is they've taken away the words they're not allowed to say on television, but none of the offensive content and taken away the story as well. And they're going back into it and they do have like a lot of younger, newer performers who do it, but it's very different than um, the whole, um, how do you put it? Like you're not getting characters like The Undertaker anymore. You're not getting this undead man who, like, is controlled by a man who hasn't earned, that's got his family's ashes in it, and he's, like, risen from the dead to fight somebody. Now you have tough guy A versus tough guy B. Um, and they were doing, there was a lot about intergender wrestling and just where you wouldn't have it, or you would have, they'd all be in the ring, but the women would only interact with each other and they'd never fight the dudes and it's it's getting better and I like watching it every once in a while to see movies I've never seen um I still love the story even without characters 
and but like the story of like how a match builds and how that like what I do with my art how I can like mold a reaction how it's balanced to make you feel a certain way or you know what a crowd wants so how to like withhold that and wait and build it up and give them a little bit and one of the terms is called like a hope spot someone who's like definitely gonna most times definitely gonna lose and it's like they're 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 the one that everybody wants to win and they're beaten down and you're gonna give them that little glimmer where they've got that chance and then they lose and it's like knowing to give that instead of having the obvious so it's I watch a lot of those, but I find a lot of my television inspiration comes from other media that has nothing to do with my art. Just weird things I've heard people say on sitcoms, just anything that's... A lot of it is a mix between, like, comedy and horror are the two things that really kind of I play with in my head, and it's never on purpose. It's just, like, what I think about a lot, and then it ends up informing my aesthetic or something but it's there's a lot on both of them that really have their like weighing of effects on like what I do in turn and in including being like as good media as they are they are both also equally problematic and it's like I can have all of my issues with it but I'm like still going to enjoy it but critically and maybe taking more of it and trying to like refashion it in a way that's less terrible mm. which is very hard to do <laughs> yeah quite a challenge yeah. um i thought i'd ask you about how you found the transition from living in toronto to melbourne toronto in terms of different queer drag context, etc. Yeah, Toronto to Melbourne is a bizarre one because um, when I moved here, I moved to Sydney first and then moved to Melbourne. And Melbourne, my first week, I hated it because it was Toronto. It, this, the cities are... It's kind of... I describe living in Australia as uncanny valley. Nothing is that different. Um, but, like things are laid out differently in terms of just like geographically laid out and it's like it's the same but slightly warmer and really it's not that it's slightly warmer it just gets less cold in the winter and um a lot of the art like the way the commun art community interacts with itself and the overlap i don't know if it's just my personal experience with the intersections because i run in so many different circles with so many different hobbies that I always end up with this unique overlap where I end up meeting everybody instantly. But I didn't feel like I didn't know anyone. I made, I made friends fairly quickly, but I ended up, like, finding my, my own community here faster than I ever have anywhere I've lived. And the artists here, although now I see on social media it's getting much more bizarre in Toronto seem to be more ready to just like go for it and do something knowing full well it might blow up in their face and fail but having fun with it and seeing artists like step out of the box and a big one for that is Honcho Disco it's just it's my favorite place in all of Australia and it's you see artists really kind of challenging what they do even in their own type of art and you'll notice it because I see a lot of the same artists like over different shows and I've you kind of get an idea of what someone's aesthetic is and then they just pull something that's like a complete 180 or an artist who normally has something they do but is afraid to step outside that box and goes to Honcho. I was like, and now I'm allowed to and does bizarre, bizarre work. So um, it's really, it's similar, but I find myself more at home here and it's really good and so um yeah I don't I don't know it's it's different but not in a negative way like I I think it's benefited me personally a lot more than anywhere else ever has mm. awesome what are you most disappointed and most excited about with drag at the moment the disappointment I have with drag as a whole at the moment is because there's a lot more vocal pushback and openness about 
drag and what drag means and what drag can be. Um, and a lot of the things that make drag very, like, a touchy subject for a lot of people are being challenged and proven that it's not one thing. There's Because of that, there's an equally aggressive pushback from a lot of older... I wouldn't even say old guard because there are some phenomenal older drag queens who've always been, like, breaking the mold, but that what people expect of drag, that very, um, for lack of any better term, female illusion show, which I hate, there is that pushback of that's what drag is. And so there are spaces that are inherently queer spaces and political drag spaces because it is, at the end of the day, a queer art form. And then this response of... No, it's not. You have to be a cisgendered man. You have to look like this. You have to tuck. You have to pad. You have to wax. And you're getting all of these things where if you don't look like this one caricature of what they believe a woman to be, it's not that. And there's still the view of what drag kings are um, almost in the same light, but then put on a lesser pedestal, which is ridiculous because there are some drag kings who are Australian who are the some better than some of the most famous drag queens in the world mm -hmm. and they do the same type of thing and it's it's a lot less seen so a lot of people don't know that it's an option to play with masculinity in the same way that you can play with femininity and it's i find some of it loses its effect um so that combined with um straight people having opinions on drag are like the two things I'm least about because um, drag is for anybody and especially to consume I do feel a little bit weird about anyone who doesn't feel like they're part of the queer community doing drag on stage for money because I do think it's taking away from other people um, but I do love to see lineups that have a diversity across it where you end up with someone from every different type of personal experience but also just the type of art they want to give because who doesn't love variety and what they're watching mm, no one yeah. wants to watch the same number five times in a row unless it's the best same number um and then for best in drag i'm seeing a resurgence of it's kind of the same thing a resurgence of club kids and weird art and makeup because all there's all these drag tutorials now so everybody's learning how to do standard drag makeup which is so difficult and takes so much skill mm. that they're like well now i can play with this and do all these bizarre illusions um and i'm seeing especially in melbourne a lot more pushback on like who's allowed to do drag and so it's really refreshing to be somewhere that i'm not one of few who's doing outside the box drag but i'm one of like what feels like to some people too many and i still think it's like not enough but i'm seeing more trans men do drag i'm seeing more like non-binary people and afab non-binary people doing like femme drag and being drag queens and fighting back against really toxic terms like bio queen which is such a sexist term and i hate it or faux queen which like denounces that your or assumes that your art is like less than because you're not really doing drag and I just and there's a lot of fights those people are drag artists and not drag queens and it's up to each individual performer what they want to refer to themselves as um so it's like my favorite and least favorite go hand in hand because it's like the least is coming from the pushback against what people are doing and I'm just seeing like such beautiful art and new parties popping up in Melbourne and seeing all these like that are like s focused on other groups and seeing it kind of blend in with other art forms is really just like I'm always excited to see what certain performers are going to do next and I'm also really excited to see people I haven't seen yet um but just there's like certain performers I just like wait with bated breath I'm like what are you going to do tonight that's going to leave me like dead silent with like my hand on my face and we got a lot of that at Mardi Gras which was beautiful and just, yeah, it's becoming, it's not becoming more queer, but everyone's being a lot more vocal about it being a queer art and, and just reminding people that it's not just this, like, playground for the most privileged in our communities. But 
it's for everybody and it shouldn't be oppressive to anyone, which is the one memo that I, I, I think keeps getting lost as well. Mm. Is that it's not meant to be a punch down and you can be like catty yeah. and funny and kind of mean without being an asshole. Yeah. And we'll get there and there's, I think, enough people doing it so much that a lot of places are just kind of like fi- being like, fine, just do it. And it's allowing for so much more. It's, it's so cool. Yeah, for sure. Um, you've also taken your drag to solidarity with river communities like Amara Dolly Basin last year with Friends of the Earth. How was that? That was beautiful. It felt very bizarre being um, a die spark person and being on someone else's like territory, mm. like doing that advocacy. But having done it, we got a big a really beautiful response from the locals up in the Menindee Lakes region and up in Broken Hill and um, a lot of the people who are indigenous to the region like saying thank you because having they're always they're they've been harping about it for years and years and years about what's happening up there with the lakes and the rivers being bled dry um, due to water mismanagement in the government and just greed and how it's affecting them and their communities and their livelihood. And no one's listening. And they you can only yell about something so much before it's, like, exhausting because, like, everybody who lives there knows. And so they were really pleased that people from the city had come in to kind of, because no one was, we weren't speaking for anybody. We were just there kind of like doing that gentle prod of reminding. And um, Rob McBride, who runs the Tolarno Sheep Station, has a lot of connections. And he was like, are you comfortable being on the front page of the paper? Because you can be on the front page of the paper tomorrow as long as we get these pictures in by noon. And we ended up on the front page of the Barrier Daily Truth and had so many people at the Broken Heel Festival coming up to us because they had seen us on the paper and were just like, thank you, because it brought attention to it again before that tipping point, which was unfortunately over the holidays where it actually yeah. happened and all these fish died and everyone's like, see? And so it's getting attention again now. And it's been too late for a long time, but it was like oh, now here's that thing we told you is going to happen. It's happening. And so Friends of the Earth went up because um, the River um, the river Country campaign that they've been doing in-house, but also um, Broken Hill Heel Festival aligned with Threatened Species Day. So they thought, like, there's already all this media attention on Broken Hill this weekend. Let's get some drag artists to go up. And it was... In, like such an honor to be invited to go up and I was really glad that I was able to like do something with my art in such this like positive manner not to make anyone uncomfortable but just to be like hey look we're doing this thing and hopefully again presenting it in this light will get some attention and it's it's an interesting one and I'm really glad um it was Fox Fluger who invited me to go with them and it was just such like we're gonna go i believe again up around the same time this year and do more but we've been keeping in contact and doing other stuff with the river river um country campaign through friends of the earth as much as we can with not physically being there but it's it was really it was really intense Mm, intense in terms of the environmental destruction the systemic sort of neglect yeah it's it's not anything that anyone wants to see and I'm I don't want to say I'm surprised that it's gotten this bad because I'm not I'm at that level of jaded in life where I'm not like surprised when anything awful happens as much as like how it continues to just get worse without anybody doing anything and it's not without anyone doing anything but with anybody in power responding to it anybody yeah. with like yeah the actual means to do enact any sort of change just kind of like sitting on their thumbs because they don't see the benefit they don't see how it's actually a problem and it doesn't benefit them to deal with it so it's just easier to leave it and try to ignore it and it was very and i had never been up there before when it wasn't as bad as it was but we went to one like um, one of the river kind of offshoots, and it was that was already dry. There was nothing there, and I was like, "Where? What are they?" They're like, "Oh, you're standing in a really deep riverbed," 
just hasn't had water in eight months. And it's like wild that that's even a thing. I understand it's the desert, but there's like the the river is massive and the way everything's being managed, the regions it's affecting are largely Aboriginal regions and can't help but think that that's not on purpose and it's really upsetting. And so it was just, it was a lot. Yeah, it's definitely a lot of racism in the management and a lot of the water is just going to rich white cotton farmers. I think mm-hmm. another program on 3CR Earth Matters sort of covered that interviewed a bunch of traditional owners. So check that out, listeners, if you're interested in that. Yeah. Um, so could you talk about your upcoming game show, Failure the Game Show? So I am working with uh, another local drag queen who is phenomenal, who does out-of-the-box drag, is uh, Simple the Drag Queen. And we decided to pair up to do a new event um we were gonna do a, we didn't want to do a party because there's a lot of amazing parties and so we we've decided to take my love of trashy trashy television um and make a game show and so on starting on friday march 15th which is so soon um at ev a week in oh, a week but less than that less than a at, week. at the time of this broadcast yeah so Friday, March 15th at 7 p.m. at uh, Evie's Disco Diner at uh, Smith & Gertrude Street there. Um, we're hosting a queer game show, and it's going to be really fun. The format um, going to give you the same minimal information that we've given our own performers for extra fun. It is four contestants, it is three rounds, and there is one failure. And... Um, a little bit of an audience participation in bits, but mainly just a big fun show. And it is an all-ages show in terms of, like, the content of the show. It is at a bar, so obviously, like, the whole thing of, like, needing to have an adult nearby because it's a bar diner. But um, for anyone who wanted to go. But it's content-wise, it's not 18+, plus, which is really not that common in... in drag shows um, unfortunately and so we've actually had a bit of interest from some younger queers who want to come which is so exciting um yeah cool and it's gonna be um the first show is going to have four local artists gay west stone motherless colds randy roy and enigma and they're the four contestants for the first show and they have no idea what's in store for them we only have somewhat of an idea of what's in store for them, and the audience doesn't either, but it's um, no ticket fee. Um, we're just suggesting that people book it on the Evie's website so that they can have a good seat. But it's going to be really busy and really fun, and it's unlike anything else that's happening in Melbourne right now, which is really exciting to be able to like bring a little bit of something a little bit quirkier and a little bit different than all the other drag shows um in terms of that it's it's no one's doing a game show in melbourne right now so i'm really excited to take something that i find really fun and playing with that format but twisting it with a big queer lens and seeing what comes of it so it's going to be a monthly event and the first one is on the 15th of march Awesome. I really hope this um, game show fun queer experiment goes really well and it continues for as long as it's going really good. Um, yeah. Another thing I was going to ask at the time of this recording, it's International Women's Day. I saw you had some reflections on that on social media. Did you want to talk about that? Yeah. Um, so International Women's Day is obviously really important, but it's a bit bizarre as someone who has such, like, a complicated relationship with gender personally, um, because I'm a two-spirit person, and so I'm as much a woman as I am a dude, and it's this kind of bizarre intersection where I might feel more one way, but I can't. I'm not going to ignore any, like, lived experience I have being, like, raised as a woman having the experiences I get based on my appearance and how I'm received, and... So it's one of those things that's like a lot of people 
will have a lot to say today and then kind of like shrug it off and I've done my thing for the year and or only do have support for people who um, are in like directly similar intersections to them or understandings that they have or lived experiences they have or someone they know and so the it ends up veering dangerously into the realm of white feminism but thankfully um i got invited by suzanne phoenix who's this amazing amazing australian photographer no one is like her with her work and she's so good and she's her second year in a row doing a project for international women's day and she's picked women um that she finds inspiring and takes their portraits. And this year they've made a zine, but they get pasted up in a car park um, um, just off Smith Street um, in the Fitzroy Collingwood area. And so they still have last year's photos are still pasted up. And then last night, um, her and a helper pasted up the ones from this year. And then at um, the Alderman, there's going to be a kind of they made a zine of it so they've got that for sale and release but also a few performances from some of the artists that and just women that they got involved and so it's very bizarre someone who's like identifies i would say like if i have to identify the woman is with like a giant red asterisk because like because i am but i'm not but i am and it's very complicated and i feel like i'll never even understand it personally um because it has a lot of like cultural ties to it for me but, um, so I got asked to be a part of it and I, that's such a, like a beautiful honor and I would love to kind of like lend that little bit of a different take that I'm sure is not original and other people share, but it's nice to, that it's not all one person and it really isn't like everybody who got asked to do it really is has a very different lived experience. Um, even on the surface, it's a little bit more obvious, and it's really beautiful. And some, um, I love seeing everyone celebrated, and I do think that a lot of um, people do get brushed over. And so it's lovely to kind of see, have these communities link up to have such support and be so vocal, even if... Um, I feel like all it can be read as on the surface sometimes is like for the benefit of one type of woman and whatever that means. And so, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting, but it's nice to see how much like support people are vocalizing um, today, which will soon be not, again, a relevant day, but... Yeah, needs to be doing this every day. Pretty much. That, that was my online thing is like it's not a one day thing and it's going to be treated as a one day thing which is unfortunate but hopefully that it's kind of like any sort of like protest or anything it's like in the moment everyone's focused on the one thing and then they move on and it's that we can be interested in more than one thing at a time and hopefully it doesn't all just dissipate yeah definitely hope so um thanks so much for joining me unless you have anything else to add thank you for having me no worries. And that was an interview I had the pleasure of um, doing on International Women's Day on Friday with Weird Alice, who's an amazing performance artist, as you heard about. You're tuned into Queering the Air on 3CR Community Radio, 855am on your AM dial, streaming live at 3cr.org.au slash streaming, eight. Um, digital radio and on demand and podcasted. Yes. Um, also touching on International Women's Day again. Um, another thing we heard about on at the rally on Friday was there's a dispute that's ongoing at um, with Chemist Warehouse, and I encourage listeners to boycott Chemist Warehouse because it's under dispute with workers. Um, expecting to go on strike over really bad labor conditions, including um, sexual harassment at um, distribution centers, not just being workers being treated really badly. And that was one of the things we heard about on International Women's Day. Um, 
another thing we heard about um, Marissa from doing Time gave us speech at the rally as well. And Marissa is a really um, great advocate for around prison issues, around ending deaths in custody, particularly Aboriginal deaths in custody. Um, and also, I think, yeah, the, the, um, I just want to read this tweet from Tanu, who's an amazing person, activist, and also um, happy birthday to Tarnine today. Anyway, um, so this is a tweet from Tarnine, Onus Williams. Yesterday, women who were criminalised were rarely mentioned. The women who are or have been in prison have been so disenfranchised by the state and they aren't celebrated but pushed aside like they have been in society, locked away even on International Women's Day 2019. So, yeah, very much, yeah, that's those, That's very much way too true. We need to change that um, because feminism needs to send feminism that frees the people facing, a lot, like, inter- interlocking systems of oppression and marginalisation so whose circumstances are really tough. If we, that, like, changing that means freedom for everyone and that's, I guess, the outlook we need to have to fundamentally um, change society. Yeah. Um, so I have another thing to talk about. There is a fundraiser show for Aletta Manton, who is an amazing sister girl I, I was lucky to interview last year, who's another fighter for Aboriginal deaths, uh, for justice for Aboriginal deaths in custody. I'm just like an amazing, generous person um, who has been incarcerated and survived cancer and now is needing support to, um, needing healthcare support, which isn't funded by the state. And there's a fundraiser that's happening on the 23rd of March at Cross Street, Brunswick East. And a few of us, um, including me, are have been like um, setting up this fundraiser. This is on the 23rd of March and there's fundraiser show for Lily. If you put that in Facebook, you be, should be able to get it or you can message um, Querying the Air on Twitter or Facebook if you can't find that um, fundraiser show for Lily. So there's been a lot of donations, a lot of support for it and please share up your networks because... She really needs the money for the surgery she needs and she needs like that community support. And it's important we support her because, um, yeah, I suppose that, yeah, we need that. We need to spread that because, um, unlike other fundraisers from people that have big social media followings, the big, I don't know, big, like white trans, um, artists, she doesn't have that. So we need to really, um, get together and get that money for her. That's a Saturday, Saturday, March 23rd from 8 p.m. to late. Live music from Boats, June Jones, Race Rage, Katie Spit, Hextape, and DJs, DJ Reconciliation, DJ Cranny, DJ Honey, and Spunk Gunk, who is Mahini from Habits. So it'll be an amazing night. Um, definitely encourage listeners to go to that fundraiser that's about all we have time for today on queering the air thanks for tuning in i'm gonna go out with a song i found uh today which i think echoes some of the themes around international women's day which is rooted often in rooted in struggle in struggle for women's revolution really um and Thanks for tuning in to Queering the Air today. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.